Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 20 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips, Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 30% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP5. This week on TWIP, Adobe shifts into the cloud. Adobe also reveals new hardware in the works, the Mighty Pin and the Napoleon Ruler. Also, a look into our post-processing workflows, plus our listener Q&A and picks of the week. And to round it all out, at the end of the show, an interview with Manuelo Paganelli. It's Wednesday, May 8th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me to discuss the hot topics of this week and more are Mr. Dave Dugdale and Mr. Doug K. Hey, guys. How you doing? Very well. Thanks, Frederick. Doing great. All right. So just listeners, just so you know, this is... Uh, this is actually swing number three for us trying to record TWIP. We tried to record it last night. Google crapped out on us. We tried to record it again uh, about an hour ago. Google crapped out on us again. So now we're recording it back to our old way on Skype for this episode. Hopefully they'll get things worked out by next week. But um, confidence is low. Anyway. So we're going to talk about some cool stuff. Before I jump into that stuff, I'm going to do a little bit of TWIP housekeeping. First up is a reminder to sign up for the TWIP photo contest. This month's contest is on nature and landscapes. So it's uh, it's hosted by our friends over at ViewBug. The link to the contest is in the show notes for this episode. So go over there and enter that. There's a... a lot of people entering, so it's a, it's, it's a really popular contest, so I think we'll, we'll continue doing that. Also, if you're in the Bay Area and you happen to listen to this, which I doubt before I do this, but uh, tomorrow, which is the 10th of May, I'll be doing a talk at the Hilton, the Hilton Hotel in Menlo Park, California, as part of the Zenfolio Zoom Tour. I'll be doing a talk on the Creative Solopreneur, or how entrepreneurs like us that that make art for a living can uh, get the word out about our products and services. So definitely check that out. Also, the the Zoom tour has 11 stops and a couple of them um, outside the United States as well. So definitely head over to their to their site or click the link in the notes to uh, check out where they're going to be going. And then also the TWIP meetup group is back. So head over to meetup.com or just search TWIP and meetup and um, one of the results will be for our meetup group. So check that out. Join the meetup group. We'll be, you don't necessarily need to be in the Bay Area to join, though. We'll, we'll be doing photo walks and live demonstration, photography, model sessions, creative things like that in person. But we'll also be doing hangouts and online things for our TWIP listeners that are not in the United States or in the Bay Area specifically. And finally, for those that care, I finally got my small camera. I picked up an Olympus OMD, OM, um, yeah, the OMD uh, EM5, which I'm sure everybody knows about. So I got that camera, uh, and it's a long story why I got it. So I got it specifically because I couldn't get the Fuji X100S because Amazon screwed up my order. Amazon and the retailer they were working with screwed up my order. So I ended up going to a local brick-and-mortar retailer and picking up the Olympus. And I got to tell you, 
I'm happy I got the Olympus specifically for the flexibility of it, the in-camera stabilization and all that stuff. But Doug and I are going to talk next week in depth about that decision process um, around going to micro four thirds or buying, adding micro four thirds to your arsenal as well as um, the Sony NEX, right, Doug? We're going to be talking about that. That's what we're going to do. We'll have a battle of the bands. Battle of the bands. All right, Doug. So what's, what's going on in your world? Uh, well, I've been speaking at the Sony NEX. I've been doing more testing and working on reviews for lenses for the Sony NEX line. And I've been uh, developing some new Photoshop actions and debugging those. I hope to publish them on my blog next week. Very cool. Photoshop. You, you're moving in. So you're, you're becoming a software developer then. Uh, it's my, I used to be a software developer and I guess I just can't help myself. <laughs> you could take the boy out of the bits, but not the bits Man, out of the boy. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things you, you see something, it's not the way you want it. You say, damn it, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. There you go. That's the, the best ideas are born that way. Yeah. yeah. All right. Speaking of good ideas, Dave Dugdale's on the show. Hey Dave, what's going on? Hey, um, just finished up a, uh, comparison review, uh, video. It's like 25 minutes long. My, my reviews keep keeping get longer and longer but it was but the 5d mark three and the canon 60 and i gave lots of uh demonstrations with you know because the 60 doesn't have an anti-aliasing filter built in and also i've been doing um i just finished up a four-hour course on the canon 60 so i'm starting to crank out some of the courses right now on the different canon models um so that's what i've been up to lately well speaking of courses tell us about those for the folks that may not know you have a you have a crazy popular YouTube channel, um, and you also develop training courses. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I developed uh, – these courses are like four hours long, and they're only video-related, and they're geared more towards beginners. Um, somebody who's just getting – or perhaps uh, like a photographer that wants to get into video and wants to understand you know, how to shoot uh, video with a DSLR – for that particular camera. So I'm trying to do it based on each individual model. And I've done some of the rebel line of cameras already. And, um, probably the next one I'm going to do, uh, after the T five I is going to be the five D Mark three. So I'm kind of working through all the different cameras, um, just so people can uh, pick up a camera and start shooting video and get some good results pretty quickly. Love it. Very cool. All right. And we're, we're, what's the URL for that? Uh, learning DSLR video.com learning DSLR video.com. Cool. All right, guys, let's uh, let's dive right into the big news of the week. I think this is pretty much the only story that we're going to talk about, and it's uh, it's Adobe. Adobe is dominating or has dominated the week. And let me let me read the the news blurb that came out here. It says uh, Adobe commits to a cloud based model for its Creative Suite offerings. Adobe has announced that it's moving its software offerings exclusively into the cloud. Adobe will continue to sell and support CS6. But in the future, new offerings of Adobe's creative software, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, etc., will be, will be offered only via its creative cloud. Now, along with this announcement, Adobe also revealed upgrades to creative cloud, including syncing of settings and image edits across devices, the ability to use camera raw as a filter, and a new camera shake reduction feature designed to correct for undesired camera motion at capture. Now, the big thing is cost, right? So the monthly cost for the full Creative Cloud is forty nine ninety nine or fifty bucks. For students, it's thirty bucks. For students and educators, and for those that are upgrading from CS six, they'll pay twenty bucks a month if they sign up before April first of this year. Now, another piece of of uh, confusion was around uh, being able to a la carte purchase subscriptions to software, which they also allow, meaning you could purchase a monthly subscription for Photoshop only for 20 bucks. So 
the the villagers have sharpened their pitchforks and lit their torches and have headed downtown <laughs> to uh, San Jose to the Adobe HQ. Photographers specifically did not seem to be happy about this move, and you know I think the gist of it is people have been used to being able to buy bits, or at least you know you you never really owned them; you owned a license to the bits, but at least it felt like you were paying a fee to get something and then you weren't be held into upgrade later. You know, like you could say, you know what, I'm going to skip this version. I'm going to go to the next version. Well, that's over. Now you have to subscribe. So Dave, Doug, I want to throw it to you first. Um, this subscription model, is this just a harbinger of what, where the world is going in terms of subscriptions overall? Oh, I, I definitely think so, but there's going to be some pain along the way. And, you know, for me, I'm kind of torn. I'm like, um, I have CSX, so for me, the way I read it is I can get uh, for the next year I can get it for two hundred forty bucks at twenty bucks a month, mm-hmm. um, and then after that it kicks all the way up to fifty, and then that's where the pain's going to really come in. But for me, I'm not, you know, I do a lot of photography, but I do mostly video, so I use After Effects, Premiere, I use Dreamweaver, you know, I use a lot of the different things, you know, occasionally I'll use like Illustrator and stuff like that, but for me. Um, I think it makes sense for me compared to a photographer. If you're, all you did was just Photoshop and you had to pay 20 bucks a month, then I'd be kind of upset. Um, and I could see down the road, you know, you know, if the economy really tanks and or your, you know, your business starts going under, you could definitely, you know, if you already have like CS6 like I do, that, you know, maybe down the road you drop the subscription if, you know, things aren't going well financially, you, you drop back to your earlier version, you know, or whatever you have. It's, if it's CS3, so hold on to it. Don't get rid of it. Right, right. <laughs> that kind of thing, yeah. Now, now Doug K., is this something that you that you feel like, okay, this is okay, you know, it's a cost of doing business, and you're not, you're not in business, so you're, you're more of a hobbyist, right? So where where does this fit into your sort of comfort zone, good, bad, or ugly? Well, uh, it's going to be okay for me. I should mention one thing. There are a lot of people online saying that there is a deal that's $10 a month for people who just want to get Photoshop. Not all of CS6, but that they have the current Photoshop, they can get that for $10 a month. Scott Kelby, for one, mentioned that. I have not been able to find that anywhere, but it supposedly is out there. Um, I, You know, I think it's... um, uh, it's a good deal if you're a professional, especially if you use the full suite. Uh, I think the it's not nearly as good a deal for people who use just Photoshop. Uh, and I, I think the big difference for most people is that it's either, you know, it's like keep current or die. You don't yeah. – you no longer have the option of saying – you know, I'm going to postpone my purchase of the upgraded version for six months because I want to buy a lens or, you know, I want to buy a wife her birthday present, something like that. Um, so I think, you know, you're forced into chugging along and buying and buying and buying as opposed to uh, making a decision to defer that upgrade. And that's the thing I think that's going to hurt the the amateur or the, you know, the smaller professional. I think it's fine for serious pros who are basically writing off the cost no matter what. Yeah. I mean, looking at it from the, the standpoint of the, say, the stockholders of Adobe, that's it's a really good thing, right? I'd be dancing in the streets. Unless yeah. they lose all their customers. <laughs> yeah. You know, if everybody quits, if somebody comes out with a competing product, then that's not – so I don't know. And a lot of people may say, screw it. I'm going to stay with Lightroom. That's a good point, though. So competing products, is this, a, is this the door opening for, say – um, say Apple and Aperture to say, okay, at least on the Mac side to say, okay, you know, 
uh, all you disgruntled Adobe Photoshop non-subscription wanting to pay people, come over to us. And, uh, mm. you know, we, we've updated the new Aperture to be really competitive with Photoshop and come get it and we won't charge you a subscription fee. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, Aperture is a good, you know, good viable competitor for Lightroom, but it's a, you know, it's an order of magnitude behind what Photoshop has at least, you know, again, if you don't need all the features of Photoshop, then it's a good alternative. But if you're a serious Photoshop user, then it really doesn't come close. Yeah. I wonder, is it, Dave, is it, is it enough though? Like if, you know, a, a slimmed down version. It, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not Apple. Maybe another competitor come in, comes in. Let's say Google. You know, like Trey Ratcliffe brought up earlier this weekend in a hangout that I sat in on. That it, he, you know, basically he was pointing to Google's acquisition of Nick Software and saying that okay, now could be the time that Google could move out of its friend relationship with Adobe and go head to head with them and say, hey, you know, we've expanded this software. It does most of what you need it to do, and because we're Google. We're going to give it to you for free, you know? <laughs> I would kind of doubt Google because, I mean, just look at my beloved uh, Google Reader going away. So Google's becoming right. more and more focused. So I doubt they'd want to put themselves out on a limb and, you know, try to go after Adobe in that manner. Yeah, but, but they bought Motorola or at least <laughs> Mobility, the Motorola Mobility unit. We haven't really seen anything from that acquisition. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so the, you know, the whole logic thing doesn't really play in when you're you – know, and in the yeah, world of gazillions of dollars, right? I don't know many alternatives, but isn't there one that's free? I, I downloaded it many years ago and played around with it. Uh, what is it called? GIMP? GIMP, and that, yeah. To me, sure. to me, I think that's one that's the closest because – you know, just I, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, Apple guy, so it doesn't Aperture does it have the sophistication that you know Photoshop does? No, it doesn't. I mean, Photoshop you can do compositing and layers yeah, and yeah. you know channels and all this other stuff when you need to really. You know, I the the analogy I used when I was at Adobe working on the Lightroom team was that Photoshop is when you need to go to yeah you know you need a you need a surgeon to go in and and, <laughs> and work on stuff. Lightroom is more of the general practitioner in your neighborhood that you go to when you have a stomachache or something. You know, it's it's not for the heavy lifting, but it's getting more to, in that area with with. With the especially with the Lightroom Five Beta, you know they're getting closer and closer to do, being able to do the stuff that Photoshop does without the layer piece of it. So yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know? So what I'm saying is, what if what if Apple or someone else pushed their software to do just that amount? You know, to do just enough of what you need, just shy of being able to do everything that Photoshop does, which arguably does way more than we ever needed to do with 3D and video and all that stuff in there. You know, as a still photography, you don't really need all that. But is this the window? Like, Doug, is the window open for another competitor to try and come in and at least sit at the table with Adobe? Uh, it's open, but if you look at what it would cost to get even a, a serious fraction of the Photoshop features, the investment is overwhelming. I mean, what an expensive thing to develop from, from scratch. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. I th I think they'll they'll nibble away at it from the low end, uh, and Aperture can do that. And Lightroom Lightroom is going to you know be eating a lot of the Photoshop lunch itself. Yeah, kind of like Adobe's eating our lunch and nibbling away at us uh, every month. <laughs> our wallets. <laughs> They're eating my lunch right now. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think Google has any interest in the professional market. Yeah. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, you never say never. All kinds of crazy stuff happens in Silicon Valley. <laughs> but I, I'm with Dave. I, I can't believe that I'm losing Google Reader. It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, move on. That's, that's another, you know, that's that's another a, show. That's a total another show. But it, it does go to the whole idea of free versus subscription, right? So yeah. I know a lot of people that were using Google Reader were saying, you know what? I why make it go away? Why not just charge me? I'll keep it because I've been using it as part of my life. I'll I'll pay you five dollars a month to keep it you know and five dollars times a couple million people could represent a nice little revenue stream for google but still yeah but it's it's like you said it's a little revenue stream comparatively google, yeah. how's, how's google gonna keep a five million dollar product alive <laughs> you know, know. they could have just gave me that money I don't know. <laughs> you and i could do it we should there you go yeah. all right the other the other adobe news is uh they're jumping into the hardware space Spe- speaking of you know, sort of unconventional moves from Silicon Valley companies. So they've announced the um, two tools that focus on sort of piggybacking on tablets. One of them is called Mighty. It's a pin that it's a pressure sensitive pin that you can use to draw on your tablet and do all, all sorts of cool stuff with it. And then the other one is called Mighty. Mighty. But I'm sorry, it's called Napoleon. So Mighty's the pin, Napoleon is the ruler, and it's uh I like the name because it's it's a short ruler. Napoleon did it. <laughs> horrible. Short, horrible. Ruler. It's very clever. Um so the, uh, the so the, the interesting thing to me is is Adobe moving into hardware. I think mean, this is the first time Adobe has actually put out physical atom based products rather than just you know rearranging electrons and charging a subscription for them. So what 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 does this mean, Dave? Looking at you, I mean, is this is this like would you use these tools? You know, I know you're mostly on the video side, but as you know, looking at what these things can do, sort of you know you can make straight lines and curved lines and pressure sensitive and, you know, sort of do what you kind of could do with a Wacom tablet. Do these make sense for the Adobe lineup of tools? Well, for me, for the work that I do, I went to NAB a month or so ago and I got to see watch over the shoulder of this guy um, doing rotoscoping and refine edge and all this stuff in After Effects with uh, a Wacom type device right on the screen. And it was just amazing. I was like, wow. I definitely could do some of that. That would be that would be pretty cool. But this this particular device, the Mighty, you know, all the keynote presentations that I've watched anyway, they all seem to do it on the iPad, and mm-hmm. there wasn't any integration with like uh, Illustrator, for example. Um, and I didn't see you know an example of like when I was at NEB and I went by the Wacom booth because I'd like to buy one, and they were using it with Illustrator, and I was playing around with it, and it was just like really really cool. But I didn't see those demos, so. You know, I don't think the mighty would be for me because I'm not going to be one of those guys that sits under an, a tree during the day and sketching up buildings or something like that with an iPad and one of these pens and a ruler. I I I wouldn't do that. So You'd probably get it, some paper, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I could see maybe an architect. Yeah, maybe. You know, when he has some ideas, you might pull it out of his pocket and start sketching on an iPad. But for me, no. Yeah, but you, I mean, maybe, but I just see that's a lot of stuff to carry around. It's like more stuff to put in your bag, you know, and charge and all that. I don't know. What do you think? Is this, is this, are these tools that, that will find their way onto your desk? I don't think uh, I'll be using them. I mean, looking at the, the demo videos, I think the uh, the pen in particular is aimed at uh, illustrators, graphic artists, mm-hmm. and I don't draw, period. Uh, and uh, 
but I and it looks to me like the products are fairly advanced and sophisticated. They came out of the lab pretty much. Uh, I think they probably fit into Adobe's long-term strategy, which I think is aiming at strictly professionals and even groups and teams of professionals. Um, and I think they might be successful there. You know, one interesting feature about that pen is that the pen, your pen has your identity. So as you move from tablet to tablet, you have with you automatically all the objects in your cloud. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's uh, a feature, again, aimed on obviously only people who have the opportunity to use it in a portable fashion, which would be people working on a team. And, or and people that have paid the subscription for the Creative Cloud. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the irony here is that Adobe got away from software in boxes to go to software in clouds. So what's going to happen when they say, you know, that pen you had, you can't use it anymore. You need the virtual reality pen. You know, <laughs> somewhere down the road, I know they're going to take it away from me. Oh, man, this is, <laughs> this is interesting. I don't know that I would be, um, you know, who knows, but I doubt that I would use this. I, you know, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, how – that that ruler definitely i don't i don't see it fitting into anything that i need to do but then again like right. you know david saying this is might be targeted at people that actually need to draw straight lines and you know french curves but i don't need to do any of that the pen i'm thinking okay so maybe sir, for some retouching it wouldn't take up too much space in my bag you know maybe i could do that but i don't know but you know i i have two wacom tablets when i travel i have the little bamboo tablet oh yeah it's tiny it's 99 bucks or something like that and wacom's one of those vendors that i think people just love um you'd you'd have trouble getting that away from me i love both my wacom tablets interesting interesting okay so the other piece of news from adobe was um on scott kilby's show one of his shows called the grid the the uh, Adobe product manager for Photoshop and Lightroom, Tom Hogarty, was there, and he basically let the cat out of the bag that Adobe's in the process of developing a tablet version of Lightroom that will enable raw editing as well as the full gamut of Lightroom adjustments on tablets. So in, in my the way that he described it, it sounds like it's using a proxy type uh, metaphor where it downloads the only the bits it needs to show on that screen and then as you make your edits it would then apply them later using the raw data so my question to you guys um, Doug I'll throw it to you first is tablet editing of photos is this something that makes sense for you or do you can you see yourself just like leaving your your small MacBook or whatever you're using at home and exclusively using a tablet when you're on the road traveling, especially internationally? Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. And uh, I haven't done it yet because the software is not there. Snapseed, for example, just isn't quite enough for what I want to do. And when I use Snapseed, I come back, I then have to redo everything in Lightroom or Photoshop. So this idea of a proxy where I'm working with a, a low-res version of an image but that everything that I do is saved and is then reapplied to the high-res version uh, is very appealing to me. I think that could work really well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I would like to see that because, yeah, it gives you – it seems like it gives you the best of both, both worlds. I could have a bunch of images and I could do some real serious editing on the fly without having, like you said, redoing everything later. You know, if it syncs back to my, my real Lightroom and those changes just show up on that raw file in my main library when I get back, mm -hmm. then, you know – What's not to like? Yeah, it'd be great. Now, now, Dave, on your side, you're more mo mostly a video guy, right? So, would would you use something like this, even if it was using that proxy type metaphor, but applying it to footage and allowing you to do, say, you know, build an edit decision list while you're sitting in Starbucks in Barcelona, 
of some footage. And then when you get back to your main workstation, upload that and all those changes would then be applied to the main high resolution footage. Is that something that interests you? Um, it does interest me, but I, I don't see how it would work with the, the tablets the way they are today because just the the video is much different uh, than, you know, just a single raw file that you're manipulating. Um, don't get me wrong. I'd love this. This would be really cool for me. And if they could integrate all the features of Lightroom into this tablet um, type thing, you know, that would be awesome. But for video, I don't see how you get it into the tablet, um, even at a super, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't just don't see how you can do it. Um, maybe it's possible that you could, you know, create a really low bitrate type of video file, but it's going to look so nasty, even on the iPad or whatever device. I don't see how it would work. So you'd want it if you could have it, right? But it's just the, the state of technology today, state of the art today is not such that you could have it. But if you could edit on a mobile device somewhere, you would want to do that? Uh, yeah, if it had the recording capability built into it, like the Atomus Ninja 2 that's come out has a monitor and a recorder built into it. And it's a small screen and it's the, the resolution is not the best. But if you could do that in a tablet and the, the tablet actually can record at the same time a ProRes um, type file like the Ninja uh, 2 can, and then you can mark your in and out points like, oh, that was a good take. And you hit, you know, hit the mark on the screen, touch screen type thing. And then you come back. And you have your in and out points when you've ingested all that information, all the video files into your um, nonlinear editor, and you just drag them onto your timeline because they're ready to go. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. But I mean, you know, the Atomus Ninja already does that. So yeah. I don't see how they could possibly do that in an iPad type device at this point. You need a pretty big SSD, and I know Apple's not into uh, allowing. Um, ports and stuff on their devices so right and it would yeah. be prohibitive prohibitively <laughs> expensive <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah you're totally right all right guys before we continue with this week's listener q a segment i want to thank our sponsor for this episode of twip and that's shutterstock this episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, a publication, an advertisement, a video, or another type of project. You can choose from over 20 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. And Shutterstock sources their images from around the world and then puts them at your fingertips. And many contributors to Shutterstock are, in fact, professional photographers. Shutterstock reviews every image individually for content and quality before adding it to its library. And they've got over 10,000 images added every day. So every time you visit the site, you'll probably find something new. Shutterstock they basically give you the assets you need to bring your creative project to the next level. And as you know, their goal is to make it easy for you to find whatever you're looking for. And to do that, they give you sophisticated tools so that you can search and drill down by subject, by asset type, by gender, emotion, color, and more. And as you, you find the assets that you're looking for, you can save them to a Lightbox gallery 
then you can access your selections at any time and share those images that you think are appropriate for that particular project with your other team members. Shutterstock is the complete offering. They have an award-winning iPad app so you can search on the go and display images during presentations. They've got excellent customer service with dedicated reps with 24-hour support throughout the week. And they've got flexible pricing. You can choose individual image packs or a monthly subscription, and you can download any image in any size and pay only one price. Now, today I was working on this project where I needed a skyline of San Francisco. So, of course, I could have driven to, say, Treasure Island and set up my tripod and and got the shot, but I needed the shot for a meeting that was going to happen in about 30 minutes. So what did I do? I went to Shutterstock.com. This is a true story. (laughs) Went to Shutterstock.com, did a search for San Francisco skyline at night, and I found the image done. It was amazing. So just like that, I purchased the images, downloaded it to my hard drive, and, you know, away we go. The project goes on. I didn't burn any gas. And, yeah, maybe I'll go to Treasure Island and redo the shot myself with my gear. Uh, But... I needed the shot right now, and there are perfectly beautiful shots on Shutterstock to do the job. So I used the path of least resistance, which was Shutterstock. Now, you can do that as well. You can try Shutterstock today by signing up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. And you can start uh, and begin using Shutterstock by... You know, helping to imagine what your next project is going to be. Just go in there, search for things, save assets to a light box with your new account that you just set up. And if you decide that you want to purchase that account or you want to become a Shutterstock customer, just use the offer code TWIP5 on your new account and you'll get 30% off any package. That's Shutterstock.com and you'll get 30% off any new account. Just use the offer code TWIP5. And Shutterstock, thank you for your support. Okay, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. Question number one is from Kent Vidrin, or Vidrine. He says, I've got my eye on a Nikon 80-200 f2.8 and maybe a 300 f4. These lenses are expensive, as good glass usually is. So I'm thinking of looking for them on the used market. How and where do you and your guests sell lenses you, you no longer need and where would you look to, for used lenses to buy dave what do you think um i did a blog post on this a while back as i was in the market for buying used stuff um so there's one site called keh.com um, and they do ratings um which is pretty cool and then there's um of course you got your other sites like craigslist and ebay and all that stuff but you know one of the things that i found buying stuff because sometimes when i do a a video course i don't want to buy the camera outright um i'd rather buy it used um refurbished so i've had really good success on especially when they discount stuff on the canon website there's a refurbished section and i don't know if you can subscribe to it or not but i got a canon t3i for like 385 bucks a few months ago nice. it was a smoking deal and the thing only had like 2000 shutter actuations on it so um to be honest you know that that price was way lower than anything i could find on craigslist or bnh used department or so if i were you and if you, I don't know if you're wanting Nikon, but maybe Nikon has something similar um, to what Canon's got. But I would start there before I'd go anywhere else. Because give me an example. Um, like I have the Canon 70 to 200 
version two lens and it cost me $2,100. And that was like after a $200 rebate they had last year. Well, if you go online, uh, at least at the, when I did this last year, when I was looking around, all the eBay stuff, the used stuff was selling at $2,100 because the new one was selling at $2,300. And the Canon lenses, and I'm sure the Nikon lenses are the same way, but they hold their value so incredibly well. I would almost wait. Don't buy it used. Just wait for a sale to happen or buy it refurbished with Canon. That's Those are my uh, recommendations. Now, Doug, what about you? Do you have any, any suggestions for buying used gear? Uh, yeah, I buy and sell a lot of used gear, actually. Um, I bought some refurbished Nikon stuff. I bought some SP600 strobes. Great deal. Uh, 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 B&H, for example, sells refurbished. Adorama sells refurbished. Uh, but I use eBay because of the volume. There's so much stuff there. There's, you know, there are many, many choices. And I would say that, uh, I've had very good success. I've had some problems. Uh, a couple of things. One is make sure you check the ratings from people. Uh, I would make personal contact with them. I would send them messages through eBay, mm-hmm. ask questions. One question I always ask, uh, because we're in the U.S., is, is it a U.S. product? If I'm buying Nikon or Canon, Nikon in particular won't honor any uh, service, uh, won't even service a non-U.S. lens here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an important thing. But um, you have to be careful and you have to invest some time to check out the seller. And uh, I've had very good luck. I think that, that's, that's the, uh, the nugget of truth there. Regardless, right, do your homework and make sure you're getting the right thing, especially if you're buying from an individual seller. Um, you know, I think someone was saying before that you know, if you're buying from an individual seller, don't just go show up at Starbucks and get it from them and you know, walk away from it, you know, unless it's somebody that you know and trust, of course. But yeah. if, it's, uh, if it's just some random person, you probably want to put it on your camera, walk around with it, shoot it, make sure that you don't have a camera that's been – you know, that's taking a swim in Hawaii or something. Or that's Lawrence, right. right. All right, guys. Um, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment real quick. This is uh, where you guys can pick anything to recommend to the listeners as long as it is somehow related to photography. Dave, Doug Dale, what's your Pick of the Week? Uh, my Pick of the Week is I just found this today. It's oh, I don't have my notes in front of me, um, but it, <laughs> I think it's called – in fact, you could read it off to me. I oh. think I put it in there. It's called in the water or something. It's called the this is water. Yeah, this is water. Yeah, and it's and gosh, I don't have my notes in front of me, but it was. There's this one commencement speech this guy did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his name, but he's. I think he's a famous author, and it was done like five years or eight years ago, and he did an amazing job with the speech. But what was really cool is this company. Um, I think it's called the Gallery. Uh, I think they do motion graphics and some video commercial work. But what they did is they put this video together with the commencement speech. And the whole commencement speech was kind of a life lesson on how to stand in line at a grocery store. I know it sounds weird. And it's and right now you're probably saying this is not photography related. But on the video side, for me, it was so incredibly creatively inspirational. Because when you look at – just go – it's a nine-minute video. It's totally worth watching. But – what they did was there's two stories going at the same time. The guy standing in line from the commencement speech, but there was also um, this video that was going on where these, this guy and this girl are meeting in the line that had nothing to do with the commencement speech. And it was just so well done. The music is so well done. And, you know, everything is just put together perfectly. And I would, if you're looking for some creative inspiration, definitely start there because I think um, – 
it, you'll come away with some really cool ideas, what I've got like going through my head right now. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll link to that video in the show notes for this episode. All right, Doug K., what's your pick of the week? Well, I think it's true of a lot of photographers. Every time I take a major trip, I think I need to get a new camera bag because you can never have the right camera bag, right? <laughs> so I know. It, I'm in that boat right now. Uh, so with the with some upcoming trips, I'm deciding to go small. I'm taking only the NEX7 and a yes. few lenses. And leaving all the Nikons at home, all the big glass at home. And I wanted a bag that would be my carry-on, you know, my, my in-flight bag, meaning just my camera stuff and a laptop, maybe an iPad, uh, but be very low profile. So I found, after reading a lot of reviews and looking at a lot of videos, a very overpriced bag that I love called the Billingham Hadley Pro. Billingham is a British company. Hadley's one of their lines, and Pro is their medium size bag. It is a terrific bag for uh, small cameras like the NEX line or the OMD lines, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sort of it's sort of a almost messenger style in that it's thin, but it does have padded separators as well. So check out the Billingham Hadley Pro. It costs a lot of money. It's like two hundred and seventy bucks, but it's a gorgeous bag. When you get that, will you do a little video about it and, and tell us about it? I will show it to you next week. Excellent. All Perfect. Right. All right. And real quick, my pick is, speaking of overpriced camera items that are, are designed specifically for fashion sake, is I was looking for a camera strap to replace the one that's branded Olympus that came with my OMD. And I found this site called Barton 1972. And but they they just make these really cool camera straps. Some of them are braided. Some of them look old school. Some look like they were dragged behind a truck for a couple of days. You know, they're just really nice sort of distressed looking straps, which is what I was – and not so much distressed looking, but they just look – they're leather, right? They just look good. And I wanted one that uh, that kind of went with the camera and would allow me to sort of look like this is not your average – you know, this is not an expensive camera. I just wanted a, a regular strap to go with it that didn't say Olympus on it. So I found these, and um, I'm going to the page now on the site that I got mine at. I think it's called the braided style is the one I got. You know what's going to happen, though, Frederick? What? Is that someone will see that. They'll be so impressed with the strap. They'll steal the strap, and the Great. camera will just come along for free. Wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, all right. Whatever. You can have it. But uh, how much did this thing cost? It was 80 bucks for a camera strap. But Whoa. it's 100% leather. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, my part of me buying this OMD was I wanted, like I, I've been telling people, I wanted one that I could walk around with and be relatively inconspicuous with rather than walking around with my big DSLR with a, you know, 70 to 200 lens on there. Um, I wanted a kind of a walk around street photography camera. And with that, it's kind of a fashion statement, too, right? It's Olympus. It's got that old looking styling it kind of says, hey, I'm a hip photographer. So, you know, I'm going the whole nine yards with the with the fashion thing with it. And, you know. I'm happy with it. I don't care what you guys say. (laughs) (laughs) So so anyway, all right, guys, uh, before we end the show, this week I sat down with Manuelo Paganelli, and uh, he's he's an amazing photographer. You got to check out his work. But he and I spoke for a bit about his work and this instance where he cold called Ansel Adams and kind of got tutorials from Ansel Adams remotely and he also reflects upon his joys of shooting film he's still shooting film so he's a film shooter so it's a really interesting interview give this a listen 
All right. We've got a special treat for you. I'm here with Mr. Uh, Manuelo. Manuelo? Am I pronouncing that right? Manuelo Paganelli? Manu. Okay. Uh, also known as Manu for this, for people like me that, that butcher names all the time. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So Manu is a commercial, editorial, fine art photographer. Uh, he's based in Los Angeles, California. And uh, we're going to talk about photography in a second. So, Manu, welcome. It's good to be here, Frederick. Um, it's an honor. Oh. And um, thank you for this interview. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's my well, pleasure. let's see how it goes. Yeah, like you'll, yeah. Thank, thank, me, thank me when it's over. So far, it's good. <laughs> okay, let's just talk about you. Let's jump right into it. Um, I always the, the people that I interview on the show, I always like to start with a little bit of background about how they got started in photography <laughs> and you know, just sort of what was their inspiration. It's always interesting to, to go back in time a little. So what, what's your, your story of what, what got you into this stuff? Uh, I was going to school in Chattanooga, in Collegedale, Tennessee, mm-hmm. next to Chattanooga. Oh. And I was planning to go into medical school. And I wasn't sure that at one point I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Uh, I picked up a camera and started taking pictures as a hobby. Mm-hmm. It was my last year in college. Then I went to a, um, uh, I wanted to learn more. So I went to a uh, bookstore, a magazine place to look, um, to look at uh, magazines on f- uh, photography. Yep. Uh, at that time, we didn't have the internet. So everything, it was like looking at books or magazine. So I went to this place. I was looking at some magazine, magazines and I saw a magazine called Darkroom. It had the face of Ansel Adams. So I picked up the magazine and started looking at it. And I was really impressed by his work. I said, wow, this guy did all these amazing images back in the 30s and 40s. It was so great. I mean, I was thinking, that's amazing that he was able to capture that light and those shadows Yep. so powerful in those days and looks so great today. So I was impressed by him. And I read that he, um, at that point, I was like at a crossroads where I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue medicine or or do something else. I was confused. Mm-hmm. And I read the article in him and it said that he was a trained pianist and uh, he parents wanted him to pursue uh, music, to be a pianist. Yeah. But uh, he followed his heart, uh, and, and thank, thank God he did that mm-hmm. for us, for the world. So that, so that I felt like uh, that I have something in common with him. And so I bought the magazine, uh, went to my place, and finished the whole article and it said that he was living in Carmel by the seas and mm-hmm. California. I remember looking at a map, trying to find ma- find a map to see where that was. Yeah. yeah. And um, today you just Google that. I know. Now you just use Google Maps and, and you're there. Right? It tells you it tells you how far you are from here to there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And remember I was in in, in Tennessee. And yeah, that- right, right. And I said Hmm. So I pick up the telephone, dial four one one information. You know, in those days, do you remember? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so they gave me his number. So I call him, 
I understand my ass people with um, so I call. Wait a minute. You called information to get Ansel Adams' phone number. Correct. And then you called him out I, of the blue. I called him out of the blue. Nice. Okay. Go ahead. And um, but this is a kicker. I call him and the phone rang and rang. Then he picked it up. Uh, or at least I thought that I, I didn't think that was him. Honestly, I didn't think that was him. So this elder man picked up the phone with a deep voice. Mm-hmm. A very fatherly voice. Um, he said hello. Then he said hello again. So he said hello twice. And he was going to say hello. He, so you knew that he wasn't going to say hello the third time that he was going to hang out. Yeah. So before he hang up, I said hello. But the hello came came out like more like hello or <laughs> maybe if I had uh, 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 hello yeah something. You know, I was shaking a little. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. And then I started telling him. So I said, um, I would like to speak with Mr. Ansel Adams. And he said, oh, okay, you got me. I'm Ansel Adams. Well, I didn't believe that that was him. I figured that there must be more than one Ansel Adams in that town. Yeah. And uh, perhaps the know that for sure the telephone lady gave me the, a different number, a different person. So I said, I'm looking for a Mr. Adams, the one that is a photographer. And he said, well, I am Adams. I'm also a photographer. So he he was so kind that he kept playing with me, you know. Yeah. Um, he wasn't rude or anything. I still didn't believe that was him. I said, no, I'm looking for Mr. Ansel Adams, the one who does black and white photography and landscapes. Well, I do that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I still didn't believe that that was him. Yeah, I, mean, I was so innocent and gullible that I couldn't believe I was speaking with this master. You know, and how old were you when you were when you made this call? Ooh, well, you know, I was in college. Okay, so, so that, you're 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 either late teens or early twenties, right? No, I was uh, in college, <clears throat> probably twenty three or okay. twenty four, yeah. probably twenty four. Okay, uh, because when I arrived in the States, I didn't speak any English, so it took me a year longer to finish college. You right, know? right, right. Anyway, so um, I still didn't believe that, that was him. And I said, uh, and at that point, I was really confused because I thought, wow, not only is there more than one Ansel Adams in that town, but there are more than one Elsa, Ansel Adams that's also a photographer in that town. So that, <laughs> I said, wow. I'm, what a great town. <laughs> yeah. The same guy, different guys, same name, yeah. doing the same. So I said, no, sir, I'm looking for Mr. Ansel Adams, the photographer who is featured this month in Darkroom magazine. Yeah. And then he said, son, you're being a speaking. Yeah. And I'm going to hang up on you if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you mean speaking to me, he said, you know? Yeah. And, and then I said, wow, this is the real deal. Wow. And we talked for about almost an hour, give or take. What, what kind of questions did you ask him? Was it just like general uh, I, photography or like business or what would – I don't know no, what I would ask Ansel Adams if I had a conversation. Business. I didn't know anything. I didn't know you had to be a business person to be a photographer you know, yeah. at that time. You know? mm-hmm. or, um, <clears throat> it was mostly the, how much I love his work and also the fact that he was planning to go uh, – his parents – uh, wanted him to uh, be a pianist, pursue music, but he followed what it was in his soul. Mm-hmm. And I was like at a crossroad, and that's the reason I called him, and if he could give me some advices. And his advice was just what he 
follow your heart. Um, mm-hmm. And then I told him I just got a camera like a week ago. And it's okay if I could send you some samples and this and that. And he said, yeah, just send me samples. I would love to see some of your work. He gave me the address. And, of course, his mistake was telling me, his mistake, was telling me, um, call me anytime. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was calling him every week. Oh, wow. Twice a week. To the point that sometimes Virginia, that was his wife, she was said, um, oh, your Italian friend is calling you again. <laughs> Paganini is calling you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and that was the beginning of my career, you know. That's and great. He, That's great. He gave me a lot of advice. Um, he will, I will send um, an image. Um, then uh, let's say let's say this was an image, uh, which is one of my pictures. This is like a paper. Yeah. So he he will he would um, uh, with imagine marker. He will say. Example, he would say, make this lighter, burn oh, over here, wow. yeah. and crop it here. What is this? Don't need it. Yeah. So he'll make notes. Yeah. And then mail it back to you? Mail it back to me. Oh, what a yeah. great feedback. Did, did you keep those? No, because... Oh, Manu. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have framed every single one of those. Uh, no, because it was a very innocent phone call. Sure, yeah. One I made, yeah. it was not like, wow, this is not so honest. Let me talk to him and mm-hmm. save this. And one day, let me put it on eBay and yeah. sell them. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have put them on eBay, but they would have been, definitely been in my house hanging somewhere. No, but, <laughs> yeah. but that was no what I was searching. Yeah. Yeah. I, it know? was more about the education. Than, exactly. Yeah. Now, have I known then what I know now? Yeah. I'll oh, yeah. Save all of them. So let's fast forward to now, right? So I'm looking at your site, um, and and just for the folks that want to maybe you know pull it up while we're talking, it's at paganellipotography.com. That's P-A-G-A-N-E-L-L-I photography.com. So beautiful. Or, or or manuelopaganelli.com. Or manuelopaganelli.com. Yep. So, or just Google them. You know, you'll or find it. Yeah. So, um, so I'm looking at your work here. There's just a ton of stuff here. So before we, I want to dive into a couple of the projects and kind of the mindset behind them. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, um, you know, and I don't, I'm not the guy that wants to talk about gear that much, but I want to get an idea of, of your process when you approach, say, one of the photojournalistic type jobs, like say the Black Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of gear do you take with you when you're doing something? At a location like that, where you're not exactly sure what's gonna what's gonna be thrown at you, and you need to make sure you capture it. Um, I, I try to carry all, all my black owl boys, mm-hmm. almost all of it, exception maybe two, three shots. It's all everything is through film. Oh, let's get that. Film. Oh, let's get okay. that out here. Got it. Got it. All my black and white, all of it. It's is all black and white film. Everything that everything that you see in black and white on my website or my work, personal work, my fine arts nudes, my Cuban work, Blackout Boys, yeah. is uh, T Max four hundred nice. or one hundred. I used to love that film. <laughs> well, I still love it. I still use it. Wow. Now, uh, what kind of cameras? I started shooting the project. <clears throat> started working on the project back in ninety. Three or ninety four, mm-hmm. and I met 
a black gentleman on an airplane. We were traveling. I was heading to a photo shoot. At that point, I was living in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> and so I told him who I was, what I did. I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a black cowboy. I go like, what? Like, are you joking? I mean, who ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, because we had the, this um, Hollywood make-believe. And now I live here in Hollywood, ironically. But um, um, John Wayne, Gary Cooper, those were the cowboys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the blacks were not even in the picture. Right, right. And if Hollywood had it so wrong because in those days, blacks were cowboys. Yeah. And we're always with the white cowboys, so they were always helping them, you know. Anyway, yep. so he told me that. I opened my eyes, opened my vision, and um, and I started thinking, wow. So then he gave me, remember, those were the days where no emails, no mobile phones. Oh, right, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So I got his number, information, and then, <clears throat> then I thought, hmm. This could make a beautiful uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a few of my clients. They were not interested. I went to Time Magazine, went to um, Vive Magazine. Mm-hmm. They thought about it. Nah, we don't. Then I went to, uh, <clears throat> I was shooting for uh, a magazine called Emerge. Remember that magazine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It was uh, put out by. Um, the Black Entertainment TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So B- the, the BT the folks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BT, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I went to that magazine and I said, hey, um, uh, I have an idea of a project. And so I gave uh, – at that time, when I went to the magazine, let me just backstep uh, – I had done a few, at least two or three black cowboys, so mm-hmm. I could present it to them mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So I have that. So anybody out there listening, if you have a project in mind that you want to do and you want to sell it to a client, make sure that you start working on that project. Don't just call, say, "Hey, John, uh, Newsweek or Time Magazine or Geo or National Geographic. I want, I want, I had this project in mind." I would love to do it for you guys. No, have something. Have a sample. Yeah. Sample that yeah. you can come concrete and let them know why they should send you to the project. Make, make them send you once they see that you're doing something great. I'll make sure that the great, the work stands out on its own because yeah. it's, it's garbage. They're going to say thanks, but no thanks. And it, and it saves thanks. you some time too, right? Because if you shop it around, even with the sample and – you know, you want to be persistent, but if everyone is saying no, maybe you have to rethink that. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, I, I uh, yeah, you have to be persistent. So I think I went to four clients and the fourth one, fourth one that was Emerge and <clears throat> showed them those pictures. Uh, I remember I called on the phone. I said, I have a great story proposal. It's a black cowboys. And the art director at that time, his name escaped me. I'm sorry if you listen to this interview. <laughs> well, if, yeah, tell, email me and I'll put it in the, the description for the video. <laughs> okay. Um, but I believe his first name was Wayne. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. got that right. Um, I hope so. Anyway, so he went, wow, this is a great story. So he said, you know what? We probably could do something on this. So he said, let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. 
So then um, I thought he he was going to get back to me like in a week. <clears throat> so he talked to the editor of the magazine, and either that day or next day he called and said, when can you fly to some of those places uh, to start working on the story? Wow, that's great. And so right away, pretty much, so then they sent me. So I started finding out where the rodeos were happening because my beginning of working with Black Cowboys were also doing rodeos. And once I started going to rodeos, I was able to meet one-on-one some of these people. Mm-hmm. So then I started... Uh, getting more personal with them by going to their homes, going to their barns, going and uh, mingling with their family. Uh, there were some places uh, in Texas or Mississippi or uh, you name it, where uh, Oklahoma, <clears throat> where if I'll be there, I'll arrive from the airport in a rental car. So I'll be shooting pictures and they'll say, stay over for dinner, That's supper. Great. That's great. And um, and do you have a place to stay? Uh, yes, I have a hotel. But there were other place. There were other times where they will say, "No, I stay here in the middle of nowhere, where the closest hotel was like maybe an hour and a half." I mean, I, I really went. I want to get these people. Right, right. So that was the beginning. Um, wow. Then ever since I've been working on that project. So then that project. So when you when you approach it, say you're out there. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere and you're shooting this. Is it, do you walk around with one body with like a 35 oh, yeah. mil lens on it? Or no, are you, yes, you got, yes. you know, are you loaded down with three camera bodies just to make sure? Like, how, how does that work? Um, depends what I'm shooting. If I'm shooting a rodeo, I carry um, Canon cameras because the motor, a motor drive film. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I have a wide angle lens. And then a long lens to capture action if yep. it's far away. Yep. Then if I'm uh, just walking around with them, the barns or portraits, then I carry my Leicas. Okay. And I have also used Hasselblad, a medium format. Yep. I'm a Mia. Um, I used R67. to love the Mia. I used to love the Mia RB67. Yeah, I love that. that. Yeah. So, so you know, so I have used I, uh, you know, I use uh, I think uh, I believe I've used my Holga camera, plastic camera. That's great. So it doesn't matter what you use; it's it's what you see at that moment and what you feel. Let me capture it. Amen. Yeah, amen. So you're from a Holga, all the way up through Leica, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you notice I put Canon in the middle because Leica is up here. Right? Yeah. So exactly. wow, that's amazing. Okay, so parting shots. So for. For the people that are watching this interview and they're like, you know what, I I want to be a journalist, I want to be an editorial or commercial photographer. Into you know today, you know things were different when you when you sort of were making the phone calls and pounding the pavement to get your work seen. What advice, knowing what you know now, what what would you give to a uh, advice would you give to a photographer that's like, okay, I have the story in mind. You know, I've got some samples of what I'm going to shoot. Maybe it's a homelessness project in L.A. You know, I'm doing a, a journalistic story about that. I've done, you know, shot a couple of shots. Now I want to see if I can get it published. What do they do first? Do they go to a magazine? Do they put it online? Do they write it themselves and self-publish? What do you think? Frederick, today there's so many options, so many venues mm-hmm. out there <clears throat> where – wasn't around when I became a photographer. Right, right. You, 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 
this is you could say it is the best of time because you could show your work in so many ways. You could have a website, and you could place your work on Facebook. Yep. And um, and someone will see your work. Mm-hmm. Someone will say, "Wow, this is great work." Right. You know what? Um, my friend David or James or Lisa is the editor of this XYC magazine. I bet you would love to see your work. So call her, give her my name, and go there and good luck. You know, they have those choices. Yeah. Now, they also can go knocking on doors, and that's what I did. I, I would knock on doors many magazines calling. Remember, there were no internet. There was an, an email. I, for me to find ma- I, the magazines, I would go to bookstore and start looking at all the magazines. Then try to find out the masthead and find out who was the art director or the photo editor. Yep. Then write down those numbers and the name and then we'll call them. Then what's easier because you will call, you could call you could probably call at 1 a.m. and they will say hi to you. No, probably not. Yeah. But yeah. the first thing is they, they were open to see you. They right. were open. They, were, they want to see you. They want to talk to you. Today, it's all cold. Right, right. You know, it, it's, 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 it's digital, call. right? It's impersonal. Yeah. yeah, you call and the first thing you hear is, hello, you have called this uh, <laughs> magazine. Uh, if you want to speak with someone, put their numbers. If you want to speak with anyone, yeah. if you're in the wrong place, just hang up or whatever. But yep. you cannot even get a real person. Right, right. You got it's And that part of that is relationships too because now, yeah, if you cold call like you were doing, you get stuck in that automated phone tree where you'll right. never end up at a person. But if you know people that know people there, then maybe you can get a meeting, right? So you're like, yeah. hey, Joe, I know you know this person – can you, you know, get them to call me or give me their email address or something, right? In so many ways. Okay, so wrapping this up. So just you know, for the photographers that are out there, they're working on a project. They, you know, maybe they've taken your advice and they've done some sample shots. So they, you know, have a little bit of traction of something that they can show to a potential editor or, or magazine or whatever. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to them to say, okay, this is how you can you can approach this, you know, in this age of impersonalized phone trees and email and all that, what, what would be their next steps? Um, you know, try to call them, mm-hmm. call, call if you can. Yeah. Um, that's very difficult to do today. Uh, you can also, um, get promo pieces and this, some of the promo pieces I have and, Oh, beautiful. You know, and uh, you can. I love that. Just throw it. <laughs> nice. And you're a member of ASMP. I saw that logo on there. Yeah. Yes. I'm also APA. Um, you know, Chris Isaac. Oh, look at that. Beautiful. You know. Uh, so, so you could get promo pieces, madam. Oh, look at that. That's right. Wow. So, you know, and then. Um, so you can send out to clients and. Um, and. My daughter. That's awesome. Um, send to a client, find out a magazine that you want to work for, and just write a note and send a promo piece or two. Mm-hmm. Or you could send it every three or every four months. Um, uh, 
see hopefully someone will see uh, something that they like and they will say oh i love the shot yeah i yeah. love his style you gotta have it yeah i love her the, her, the way she see things mm-hmm. let me call the photographer or let me check her website or his website yeah. of course you have to have today you have to have a website right you know right Absolutely. and then so you hope that they will see it and they will call you and i mean you have to keep it's like knocking on doors uh you might send a thousand promo pieces before one person will call you right. or you may send uh 10 promo pieces and you get five people calling you it's it's the luck of the draw you yeah. know yeah that's great that's great yeah. so so speaking of luck of the draw so people can find you at and i wrote your urls down here so manuelo m-a-n-u-e-l-l-o paganelli p-a-g-a-e P-A-G-A-N-E-L-L-I. Oh, and you got the Leica. Look at that. Look at that. I want that. It's one. One, one. Which one is that? Which Leica is that? Yes, let me see which one. The M4P. This is my favorite. Oh, that's the cheap uh, one, right? That's only to... 10 grand, right? No, probably not. <laughs> I, I, I bought it, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But the, no, the M6 is over there. I had a couple of those. Wow. And um, I keep I keep losing them. I don't know why. You keep losing Leicas? I, I, have lost, I have lost at least three Leicas. But that's a different story. Next next time you go on a shoot, let me know so I can follow you. And no, when you leave not, it there, I'll take it. One was stolen from my car, a rental car. I was somewhere. Uh, oh, that made somebody's day. I mean, the other one was, was taken at the gunpoint somewhere. Oh, but in it, L.A. That's Ouch. a different story. Oh, we, that, that'll be part two of the interview. <laughs> so ManueloPaganelli.com or PaganelliPhotography.com. And we'll link to that in the, uh, in the, uh, the description for this episode. Manu, thank you for taking the time today to do this interview. Oh, one last thing before we leave. You're doing a, you're doing an, uh, a workshop. At Brooks Institute of Photography coming up, right? What's what's yes. that about? Yes, um, it's going to be uh, June first, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. and that's in Santa Barbara. This is uh, it's a beautiful place. <clears throat> uh, I have taught there before. Uh, it's uh, Brooks is an amazing place to to be and to learn from. Mm-hmm. I love teaching there um, on weekends um, whenever I. I can on my travel permits. Uh, it's the, this uh, workshop is a one day workshop. It's on lighting. It's uh, it's a beginner lighter lighting uh, strobes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's gonna be good for people who wants to learn more about how to shoot with strobes and or reflectors and to enhance the look of a portrait mm-hmm. or. Uh, a, a couple or whatever, uh, but mostly portraits, lighting, things like that, on location, yeah. outside, and also in studio. And we're going to be using different strobes, uh, softbox, beauty dish, um, you name it, it's going to be there. That's great. And that that workshop, I'm looking at the site now, you can go to the URL, which is, I just want to make sure, they can just Google, just go to brooks.edu. And from the menu there, they'll be able to get jump over to the workshops. So, Manu, thanks again for doing this. And for those folks that do attend that workshop, there's a one in a million chance that Manu may leave his Leica behind. So <laughs> you might you might win win through default a new brand new Leica. Right? <laughs> so. 
<laughs> All right, Manny. Thank you. I, I appreciate it today. Hey, Frank, thank you. It, it was a great pleasure for me to share some of the things I've learned through the years. And uh, also, anyone that is watching there, I don't care where they're from, even in the moon, um, they could send me emails or find me on Facebook. And if they ever have questions, I'll be happy to help That's them. That's great. That's great. And I noticed on your website, your email address is listed there. So they can just go to your website and email you directly from there. So that's Listen, very good. Ansel did it for me, and he was so kind. So I, all I can do is pass along some of the future. You got you to pay it forward. You got to pay it exactly. forward. What all right. Us around? Manu, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, you have a beautiful day. Thank all everybody. Right. Enjoy and keep on shooting. All right. Enjoy. Definitely. Ciao. Ciao. Okay, to learn more about Manuelo um, and everything that he's working on and up to, be sure to check out his website at PaganelliPhotography.com. All right, guys, we're at the end of another episode of TWIP. Where can people go to stay connected with you, Mr. Dave Dugdale? LearningDSLRvideo.com, and I'm giving away a Canon 6D full-frame camera with with premium beat. So go to my website. And you'll find it'll say win a Canon 60. Just click on that and you can find the link where you can enter. Um, but it goes from now until May 31st and the, the winner will be announced on June 1st. So, That's cool. Uh, now, is this a contest, like a raffle contest oh, no, sorry. or is this a photo it's a give- contest? It's a giveaway. It's a giveaway. It's oh. just a giveaway. Sorry, you don't have to like enter any photos or anything like that. It's just can a I, Can I enter? Is it You, you bet. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> now, what if I won that? <laughs> if I won that, you talk about like villagers with pitchforks. They'd come after me. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. I don't know. Sure. And uh, yeah. what's your website again, just to remind people? LearningDSLRvideo.com. I'm more of a video guy. Excellent. Excellent. All right. And Mr. Doug K, where can people go to keep up with you? Uh, you can start at the portfolio site, which is DougK.com, but I do spend most of my time on Google+. You can find me there. Excellent. All right. Thanks, guys. And as a reminder, to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. Also, please join our community over on Google+, and uh, you know, post an image or two up there, and we'll, we'll give them a look. And also, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at MediaBytes.com or my personal website at FrederickVan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.